everyone, and welcome to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. And this is our big 100, 100 <laughs> episodes. That's right. We've finally done it. Nobody said that we could. Uh, nobody said that we couldn't either, but you know, it kind of makes a better, uh, more oppositional story if you're positioning it <laughs> against expectations, even if those are the lack of negative expectations. <laughs> That's right. Big media didn't think we were going to make it to the old one hundo, and we showed them wrong. And you, the listener, with your support, showed them wrong. That's right. We stuck it to all those podcasts that. I couldn't get to 100 episodes like Serial, <laughs> the, the most famous podcast in the world. Fun fact, H, Serial, multiple seasons, still not at 100 episodes. Still not at 100 episodes. Shameful. <laughs> Actually, to, to be fair, they're not even at 50 either. So we kind of really have one over on them. 50. <laughs> we passed that milestone months ago. <laughs> oh, did we? Did we? And I feel like uh, I remember looking back at episode 50 and thinking we were so green, you know? Yeah. Like, literally, it was St. Patrick's Day. We had painted ourselves because we're very, very patriotic. Head um, to toe. For a country that neither of us belong to. Yes. I, and you know, I only learned about this after reading something. I don't know if it's true, but you have to leave a little gap, a little hole in the body paint or else you could actually suffocate. Did you yeah, know this? Like the, uh, the woman from Goldfinger. Yes, exactly. So I had, you know, I was hulking out head to toe in our mm -hmm. Irish getup for episode 50. And um, lo and behold, I didn't leave myself a gap. And so I had to sort of start tearing, uh, scraping the paint from my flesh and and you helped me with that for the better part of an hour i appreciate it you get the ice scraper out yes yeah you start i was like a away. chevy yeah exactly i was your minivan and you were a mom that just needed to get her kids to school and i i appreciate it because you saved my life that day it's a bit unfortunate that we haven't released half of the episodes that we've recorded <laughs> We do all this work, yeah. do our bi-weekly show, or whatever means two times a week. I actually believe bi-weekly means both uh, once every two weeks or twice a week. I think it is a dual uh. definition. And we, <laughs> yeah, well, for the listeners that are, are only experiencing 50 episodes, just know that the other 50 are really really good and you're really missing out on the our, our best stuff and we're holding it back for for one day we'll release the archive one day and those just happen to be the ones that we do all the ads on which is unfortunate because we're not making any money otherwise <laughs> right. really we've had a couple complaints about that uh do you want to do our show or do you not want to do our show uh yeah given those two choices i think that that seems like a reasonable uh, thing to do at this point. My name is Ryan Heyman. You can call me H. I'm Ryan Quattel. You can call me Q. Q, give me an idea for a video game. Okay. I actually have one today. So just like, <laughs> unlike our, just like unlike twice our office. every week. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, okay. So the pitch this week is StarCraft Battle Royale, but... Mm -hmm. You are taking control of a builder unit. So you are dropping into a massive Starcraftian or, you know, any RTS style map. 
but mm-hmm. you and your fellow teammates are taking the role of builders and you're having to construct uh, barracks and pylons and all of these defense units that will auto-generate um, or potentially uh, create creatures and vehicles that then players can inhabit to go and attack the enemy base. So taking our super zoomed out RTS view and zooming way in and taking individual control uh, over the battlefield. So that's my pitch. All right, and we're starting the clock there. So I feel like over time we've kind of lost the idea of what is a battle royale. This is something that we used to call an MMO. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Well, that's fair. But you use that term and I don't want to, uh, I don't want to cast doubt on the words that you choose. Like, uh, what is it that makes it stand out as a battle royale specifically for you? Well, I... When when I play StarCraft, uh, and with most RTSs, like the beginning of the game is just spawning a bunch of worker units that can quickly uh, spin up your base and get everything moving. And I thought it was it'd be so interesting because eventually you just have, you know, twenty to thirty of these little guys who are all just mining crystals and don't really have anything better to do. And occasionally you're going and having them build things for you and all of that. So I thought it would be interesting to zoom in and take their view and and the reason why I'll, I I think it fits into the battle royale genre is and maybe this is a, also a MOBA genre thing but I think the thing that differentiates it from an MMO is that it is match based there is mm, okay I uh, see yeah potentially no progression even within the course of a match other than like the building that you're doing and uh yeah you kind of have these experiences that are very emergent and very much based on the other players that you're playing with. Okay, so how long would a round take? Because uh, StarCraft matches, RTSs in general, are known for being a little bit slower. Uh, There's a little bit more time building things up and uh, setting the pieces up. Yeah, I think that that's interesting. So if you have one of these matches, I imagine I clock it in maybe about, in my head, a League of Legends-ish sort of maybe you know, 40-ish minutes affair um, or between 20 and 40 minutes. And I think the key is each builder, a la, say, Fortnite, for example, um, and Fortnite is kind of what spawned this idea of, like, building. Oh, you don't say. <laughs> um, and I like the idea of the the builders having, like an SCV or like a, like a StarCraft building unit, like some basic level offensive ability. So you could have people running into the map and engaging in the StarCraft equivalent of a Zerg rush Mm -hmm. and kind of causing that level of chaos. But then the satisfaction of being able to not only just build a forge, but then get into one of the vehicles that it produces or the science laboratory and like build up buildings that give you tactical battlefield advantages beyond just pure uh, high ground and positioning. You know, it would be kind of neat to create these like mobile bases, kind of like we talked about in the previous pitch. Yeah, kind of like the the Zords, is that what they're called from Power Rangers? Or the uh, mobile suit Gundams, just like oh, building yeah. giant robots that can be your combat units. And over time, you could spend time building a really large one while leaving yourself vulnerable for longer or... Uh, but, you know, these would have everything that an RTS base would have, like, 
you know, spaces to resupply, spaces to hold extra units, different production plants, uh, but also, you know, could stomp around and just be a cool big robot. Yeah. I also like the idea of the complexity of maybe some members of your team have to constantly be gathering resources or something so that this construction can continue and you have your sort of frontline combatants who are worried about both enemies and also some of the building aspects or the reinforcements where the people in the back are kind of doing the mining plus the construction of infrastructure and all of that. I, I'm really interested to see what it feels like. I'm, I'm thinking in my head, it'll feel almost, um, like Star Wars Battlefront when you take over a hero unit or, you know, you go from little worker Zerg to, you know, an ultra Lisk and you can really stomp around and do some, some cool damage. And, and all these buildings could spawn these units on timers or maybe it's based off of death count or whatever. You have to manufacture them with resources. One of the things about Fortnite that, uh, at least the battle Royale mode that I always felt kind of, it doesn't play to its strengths is uh the building i mean the building is cool it's interesting it has its own place and it definitely changes up the flow of the combat and the pace at which the game is played some of the things that you can do to escape from enemy fire or to position yourself in different ways and that's all really cool but you know you you can gather these three resources the wood the brick and the metal and uh, you can use them to build these walls and and slopes and roofs and all sorts of you know traps and stuff, mm-hmm. but it feels like like you're essentially just building the same thing with with each of those. Like you don't really have a lot of choice in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know something that is a little bit more crafting focused, and I know that that um, multiple material system from Fortnite is carried over from the single player in which crafting is a greater component of that game. But, uh, you know, it just feels like there there's room for that in the Battle Royale formula as well. I think one way to sort of add that complexity and continue the general, like we're making the construction more interesting, will largely be based on the tech tree, right? Which is something that right now battle royale games don't really deal in. And I love the, the idea of Mm -hmm. having to construct certain things in order to unlock those additional things. It almost turns it into an on the ground MOBA. But one of the things that I think the MOBA genre doesn't like scratch for me is that feeling of base progression. It's really just about personal achievement and progression. And I love the idea of I can Mm -hmm. contribute to the whole team being in a kind of a non-combat role. So I guess the thing with tech trees, and maybe this is uh, an interesting part of the pitch as well, is that oftentimes you're shooting for something way, way down the line. Yeah. And maybe you have to pursue a less interesting branch to get there. Uh, You know, like a civilization, sometimes you have to invest in... uh, and things that aren't immediately helpful for a greater payoff down the line. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, in Battle Royale, you really have no guarantee that you're going to survive that long. And so investing in things early that don't benefit you right away uh, might be a good, like, delayed gratification. Yeah, so actually, that I guess that plays to the, to the strengths. You know, I'm always here trying to get good, like, risks and rewards and make them sacrifice for gain. Uh, so, yeah, I guess that, uh, that satisfies me. 
Yeah, and I think that sort of the the you know I originally started calling this battle royale, and maybe that's just because that's the word on everybody's mind uh, in the gaming industry at the moment. But you know, I think it's worth trying to figure out what battle royale means, and if battle royale means um, you know very strictly a hundred people in a space. Um, once someone is dead, they're gone. Then maybe this doesn't need to conform to that sort of stuff. Like potentially there is a certain amount of army that could ever be created almost like an attrition mode, uh, in a battlefield where, yeah, there's a limited number of respawns. The first team to exhaust their army gets that, but that could potentially still feel like a battle Royale. If you're losing Mm -hmm. numbers and, and each time spawning with a new character and maybe losing whatever loadout or uh, things you were carrying with you. One of the things I was thinking could be interesting to the tech tree point is a lot of times there are certain buildings in a a StarCraft um, or in in many RTSs that their sole purpose once constructed is to research additional abilities for troops, right? So you technically as the other team could have telegraphed for you or understand uh, just how substantial somebody's base is or how far they are the other team is down the tech tree by realizing that the combatants all of a sudden are able to, you know, blink or quickly teleport or start dashing around in a way that um, that they weren't oh, able yeah, to at the beginning of the match. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Uh, that's all the time that we have on that one. Q, do you come in with a name for this one? I don't, even though I really should. Um, hmm. I don't know. Suggestions? Should we go to our usual pun box? <laughs> Let's go to the pun box. Craft Royale. It <laughs> sounds like a macaroni and cheese product. <laughs> <laughs> Bomb the Builders. Bomb the Builders. That's pretty good. <laughs> it's like Bob the Builder, the TV show. So you're really suckering in the three to six market. Actually, that is kind of an old TV show. So they should be aged into our playable user base right. now. So that's perfect. I have all that nostalgia <laughs> for, for, for Bob. <laughs> for pre K programming. I like it. I like Bomb the Builders. Uh, that's cool. And it is. It's focused on the builders of, of each race and civilization. So that could be cool, too. That's right. Can you fix it? Yes, you can. Yes, they can. All right. We're moving into my pitch. And I've got a bit of a weird one because I don't know what I want the gameplay to look like yet, mm. <laughs> which is usually the first thing that you figure out when you're creating a pitch. But have you ever played the game in Versus? Oh, no, I have not. Is that going to fundamentally ruin your no, picture? that's okay. fine. <laughs> All right, here we you go. You might want to like, pull it up on Steam while we're talking, though. All right. Uh, Inverses, which is spelled I-N-V-E-R-S-U-S. You probably recognize it from uh, PAX and whatever shows you go to. It's a, uh, a game, uh, almost like a twin-stick shooter. Uh, it's a four-directional, overhead, very minimalistic shooter. Uh, in which you control this little triangular ship uh, kind of darting around this grid pattern. Only one of you is black and one of you is white. When you shoot, uh, then your bullet behind it, it leaves a trail of the opposite color blocks. And so you can only move through the opposite color blocks. And so uh, kind of like a Splatoon almost is you're kind of painting the course and at the same time, you are trying to box your enemy into a space that they can't escape from. And then eventually you want to land that killing shot, either by providing them 
no way to escape or just by, you know, catching them in a just a good shot, you know, just like any other shooter game. Yeah. I, I think the game is really interesting, but it always leaves behind these very distinct black and white, uh, not checkered patterns because that implies a pattern, but... Uh, yeah. It's almost like a crossword puzzle or something. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so what I was thinking is actually, what if you played a competitive game and then it auto-generated a pass or a crossword from that? Oh no! Okay, we were on the same page there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I don't know if I want it to be like in verses or whether you know something like a Bomberman would work just as well for this, or a Mr. Driller, or just any of these Dig Dug, uh, all any of these kind of grid-based games would work just as well. And so I'm thinking if we go just straight in verses, then we're pretty much just like stealing one idea that already exists and attaching a fun little end game. And so maybe we can uh, we can find ways to explore the grid-based formula in a way that can give you interesting crossword-style puzzles at the end of a match. All right, so I'm going to start the clock there. Awesome. So, yeah, ever after having watched some of this gameplay um and thinking about the possibilities therein, I'm I would really be interested in in seeing like one of these matches play out where potentially some tweaks are you know, bringing in almost the concept we had talked about many episodes ago where we had a a word-based fighting game. And mm-hmm. uh, and letters were dropping in like Super Smash Brother power ups. I wonder if there could, in addition to potentially you know hunting each other down, there being letters dropping on the map and like picking one up would allow you to deposit it at intersections the way that a crossword uh, will occasionally mm-hmm. have okay. certain letters in there. See, that's interesting. Uh, I would. I think it's really cool if you could have the game give you hints along the way. And so kind of the better you play, or even if you kind of put yourself at risk and sacrifice something during the active shooter portion of the gameplay, then you would be rewarded by having uh, that much more of a head start at the crossword at the end. Oh yeah. So, you know, maybe if you buckle down and do this kind of slow charging, you know, hold the button down for uh, three seconds or so, then you can, unlock a letter and you can see that your opponent can't but the opponent can see that you know what that letter is and so you know and then at the end of the match you both have to solve the crossword the only thing about that that doesn't work yet in my head is that you're up until the very last second of the round you are generating the shape that the crossword is going to go into and i was thinking that the algorithm would populate the crossword based on the shapes and it wouldn't know what is going to be where that early in the match because obviously like the shape can change and so if it was planning catastrophe Mm. and you you fire a black line right in the middle of that then now it has to be you know two shorter words and and the c that you got at the beginning of catastrophe no longer works as a clue but you know maybe it could be smart enough to be able to work around any clues that it had previously given you. You know, I'm not smart enough to program that, but, you know, never put anything past the indie game market. That's true. It seems like we should call upon our our 
tech savior machine learning. He always seems to rear his head <laughs> whenever someone needs a, a magical solution to how some technology is going to work. Or when anyone just wants their wedding photos to look like they're made of dogs and eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, what if there were, let's say, let's go through explore we you know we don't have the technology for it to just magically figure out what the words would be um, because maybe they're mm -hmm. based on a theme or something and that also would dictate the layout and the map or or potentially the power-ups or letters available oh wait wait it doesn't know oh wait i i think the thing about uh in verses and i, I just i didn't i don't mean to interrupt you i just wanted to make sure that we're not going down the wrong path here sure. is that uh, you are constantly kind of reshaping the yeah reshaping the the white and the black spaces, and so presumably it would be uh, basing the final result on what the the map looks like at the end of the round, rather than you know it coming in with an idea of what it wants to give you and then forcing you to play within those spaces. Sure, yeah, I guess what I meant in terms of like map shape is. Um, like in a, in a crossword puzzle or in verses, you have just some negative spaces that are not really part of the puzzle. They're just mm -hmm. sort of, you know, there to shape around. I'm trying to think if like there is a way for maybe like picking up a letter or, or you get a letter and you like have to deposit it add a point on the map somewhere. Maybe it becomes a landmine or something. So someone can't just run over it. And that's how you could like give the computer hints as to what words it needs to start working out and forming in those areas mm, okay. or, or it, it limits what can actually be created or destroyed around it. Right. Because there's just going to be some mm. shapes that are not compatible unless you're going to have like 22 letter words overlapping each other. Yeah, you can kind of have this uh, as you play the game. Wow, gosh, this gets complicated quickly. <laughs> yeah, it almost like in my head, it it almost ends up feeling like a minesweeper in, in a in a certain way of restriction. Yeah, or or like um, Scrabble or upwards through the game, you can place character tiles in uh, various spots. Maybe there are things that you can do, like we said earlier, to put yourself at risk to get a head start on the crossword. Maybe there are traps that you can set up during the, um, during the combat game that turn into hints for your opponent at the end. And so you're giving them a head start. If you feel like, you know, if you're really confident in your crossword skills and you're not as confident in your combat skills, you know, ways to cater to both crowds. Oh man, uh, this is, I apologize because this is a little bit off the reservation, but you just, for some reason, triggered in my head the idea of a game of Scrabble, but it's it's everybody can go whenever they want. It's just a <laughs> man. That's because that's Chaos. what sort of like inverses kind of feels like to me is like this mad dash um, and the <laughs> idea of everybody just laying down word tiles and uh, insane succession is kind of funny to me. One of the really nice things that inverses does uh, just to highlight somebody else's smart game design, is it gives you six shots and uh, they recharge over time, but you kind of have to let them cool off a bit and then they recharge one by one. Um, so you could, you know, hang back just long enough to get one bullet and fire that and hope you hit your foe. 
or you can wait the you know couple seconds until the round oh. until it starts reloading and and so it keeps you from just madly firing all about and since these are kind of dual use um navigation and uh and offensive weaponry it uh, it really makes you think twice before doing either of those actions right you might need it to escape um, yeah. versus to defend yourself or attack um I'm trying to think about how, like, the logistics, it's probably too hard to solve in 10 minutes, but the logistics of trying to ensure that you're going to have interconnected words or interconnected words will be available uh, and not be able to predict, like, what the general layout of stuff will be. Like, crossword puzzles have hints associated with them, so will it be... I guess it's looking for the count of letters, seeing what could overlap with it, and then generating, like, every word has a hint potentially linked to it. Because, like, after a while, you would know the words, right? You would have to have a very, very large dictionary of words, and then... Like, maybe multiple hints even associated with them therein. And so maybe this would be... I don't know if you could do like a crowdfunding thing. That would just be full of, not crowdfunding, um, but crowd like crowdsourced. Sourced. Yeah. yeah. That would be kind of full of trolls throwing in <laughs> unhelpful words. But, um, you know, there are a lot of uh, crossword puzzle generators online if you were to just search for things. I don't, I haven't really looked around to see if you could draw your own shape and then it can fill in words. But uh, I'd, I'd imagine that that's possible. And you think about over the centuries, how many crosswords have been created in the first place and how many hints have been drawn up and oh, how yeah. many words they have to pull from. Like it's a, it's a staggering amount. And so this would be an unholy amount of work if you were creating everything from scratch, which I guess they would probably have to. Uh, but it's, um, I mean, it is possible. <laughs> yeah. And I'm looking maybe the map too, in a way, because some of the maps in inverses start with there being already preset black and white tiles. Um, and I like the idea of the maps initially starting and feeling like the lanes and columns of a crossword. Maybe maybe the the speed that happens in, in verses, the speed of which the game progresses, almost makes it harder to generate a crossword, whereas if it felt maybe more Bomberman-paced, you could uh-huh. uh, make something that feels a little bit more reasonable in terms of the these complete structural way to change a map. Yeah. The, the only thing that I like about, well, not the only thing I like about inverses, but in this case, uh, the reason why I initially leaned towards inverses, uh, method rather than Bomberman's was that Bomberman takes a, takes a saturated screen and empties it. Mm-hmm. Whereas inverses has this kind of back and forth between the black and the white spaces. So if this was, Bomberman, you would have a blackboard with, you know, little white bits in between, and then you would be making it more and more white as you went. And so I think that towards the end of uh, quite a few of the rounds, it would end up being mostly white if the players all survive for a very long time, whereas, you know, Inverses has more of those shapes that it builds. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong. I think I saw in a couple of videos that Inverses maybe has something akin to a single player mode where somebody is navigating and they're kind of beating back computer sort of hmm. creeping AI. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that kind of could also, I think work 
better or at least a little bit more controlled, right? If like you can't deal with necessarily the chaos of mm-hmm. two people carving up a crossword puzzle, then, it, you know, well choreographed enemies, you could generally make some, you know, assumptions or build in some concessions to kind of cheat the computer um, into having a little bit more of a chance to to generate these things. Okay. Anyways, that's all the time we have there. Let's move into the naming section here. The idea that I have doesn't quite fit, but it's, I think, a pretty good pun, so I'm just going to go with it. And that is cross swords, which <laughs> would be, you know, like swords like the weapon, um, but a it wouldn't be capitalized also. or anything. So you'd look at it and you would just think that it's crosswords, but then you realize there's an extra S in there and then you kind of like, oh, yeah, I see. <laughs> That's cool. Anyways, let's move now to a community pitch being our hundredth or fiftieth episode. <laughs> However you want to look at it. Yes, a mighty throat clear was necessary for that one. <laughs> that was my mistake on Twitter the other day. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was uh, yeah. me getting a little ahead of myself. <laughs> no, it was good. Uh I I obviously gave you some some guff. Um <laughs> But, you know, I mean, like, look, we're about to get in the community pitch. I don't want to get too sentimental too quick, um, but it's been so far really awesome 50 episodes. And I, I've always wanted to do a show uh, that has listeners that are um, just as interested in the content as we the hosts are. And I'm I'm really proud to do and we that. I think maybe next time, you know, there's, <laughs> we're getting close. We're getting yeah. really close. We're gonna find one really <laughs> soon. Um, <laughs> no, if if you're about to read who I think you're gonna read, then yeah, we're gonna go to uh, and you know an old staple here at, at fifty. Well, uh, we actually had two people submit their pitches for our fiftieth uh, or you know one hundred. Let's say fiftieth. <laughs> episode special and we're gonna do both wah, 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 wah. that thong the thong 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 well yeah actually <laughs> let's do both of them together and see what we make of the two of them oh wow okay we're doing it so this actually works out because andrew brown who is at play critically on twitter says a mr driller inspired puzzle game set in sound editing software where you have to delete all the ums and filler words and empty space in a podcast recording. Perfect. He goes on to say, oh, that's too restraining, too much of my idea put into it. Gamify the process of editing a podcast. You know what, Andrew? Don't don't doubt yourself. It's okay. You can come in with as much or as little of your idea as you want. Spencer Saunders at Tlepri, T-L-E-P-R-I-E, a longtime contributor to the show, gives us a drawing of a uh, very silly looking man with either a uh, very large grin that extends from uh, one side of his head to the other side of his head, or maybe he's wearing a turtleneck. Uh, you know, you can you could take that both ways. Yeah, it kind of looks like, uh, you know, for people that when we'll put the image on the podcast uh, show page, mm-hmm. so when you go to Playwright, it'll be there, but I, I would almost describe it as like a, if an Amazon Alexa had <laughs> had a Squidward nose and uh-huh. some maybe some Ronald Reagan ears and it's a very strange looking thing. Right. So let's combine those two and let's see where that takes us. I'm gonna start the clock. <laughs> so the idea of gamifying a well, first of all, if if we're gonna gamify a podcast, this is 
this image is the host of the podcast. I <laughs> I feel like yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, he's gonna be just constantly chatting. But what if I was thinking about this, and what if you take it in the direction of he is hosting and producing a live podcast or a live show of sorts, and mm-hmm. it's your job to quickly whip up the graphics or the b-roll to go with whatever he is saying okay and you're trying to handle those transitions and cut away to it and you know depending on how you're doing he's almost like clippy and like uh continuously gets more angry or more suggestive as as the show goes and you have to make it through a full episode (laughs) maybe this is almost like a rhythm game where Mm. You have the podcast audio track coming down the stream towards you, but it's, I don't know, it's distorted in a way, and it is given this kind of warbly sound. Maybe you can load any podcast into it, and you have to kind of on the fly make adjustments and fix the audio, uh, maybe by shooting down enemies or maybe by identifying things that are eating away at the audio or, you know, just whatever it is as it's coming down the track to make it sound the way that it is supposed to sound, to make it sound like a regular human voice. And so while you're listening to whatever podcast you want to listen to, uh, Playwright, for instance, uh, you have this uh, this bobbly-headed guy, this Alexa-headed <laughs> man, <laughs> who's kind of silly uh, warbling away in the background to kind of lip sync with the audio. And then, uh, but all you hear is this kind of goofy, goofy cartoony voice that's all distorted and, and funny. And as you do better in the game, then it starts to focus more into a regular human sound. What if the act of correcting the audio almost had like one of those Skyrim lockpick mini game type of feels to it where like mm. you're constantly modulating the exact direction of your joystick and like the the direction that you're holding it in you know feels a little bit more analog and you're just kind of constantly correcting it into the right realm and then you could use something like the triggers or the bumpers or some other control to jump between tracks so you get almost like the feel of an endless runner um, but also with this uh, Guitar Hero Whammy Bar-esque kind of analog yeah. control to it. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there's uh, the Amplitude, Frequency, Rock Band Blitz, oh, that yeah. whole series yeah. created by Harmonix. You know, maybe people could produce podcasts that could be used specifically in this game where the different tracks are like the different hosts or guests or whatever. And so as you switch between them, then you can kind of control that one track. And I like the idea of maybe you take some buttons and dedicate them to let's, let's do the most exaggerated, insane, like morning talk show sort of podcast where you want to put in like, but um, and uh, maybe beep <laughs> out uh, swears and profanity and that kind of thing. And you're kind of haphazardly trying to listen to what the people are saying and predict those things. I think that kind of goes into the live aspect of it, because after all, if it is kind of gamifying a podcast, I'd love the idea of part of the game is actually listening to what's said. And then you could actually write some, you know, really fun, like comedy scripts. And how about this? 
if you activate this game's equivalent of star power or uh, overdrive, like in Guitar Hero and Rockman, respectively, it auto tunes the track, <laughs> and now you're playing like a uh, like a Guitar Hero type of game where you have to match the note track as it's you know on. Uh, you just have to get your cursor underneath to kind of collect the notes as they're falling down. Otherwise the auto tune will be out of tune and it won't sound good, but other, you know, it would just be kind of fun to load any podcast into the software and have it kind of auto generate this music based on it. If you've never done this before, um, something that would be fun to play with, I think in this game too, is I will occasionally either by mistake um, or if I'm showing someone as a demo on purpose, modify um, the de- default Apple podcast player has um, like speed controls associated mm-hmm. with it. So you can kind of play. I know there are some people who like always listen to their podcasts at like double speed or whatever. But one of my favorite things to do is take your favorite podcast and try this at home and play it at one half speed. And suddenly the hosts seem completely intoxicated. <laughs> <laughs> That's something that the uh, computer game show, one of our friends from the British podcasting scene, uh, likes to uh, recommend that people do when they listen to Kanan Rinse. <laughs> I mean, it's already a two hour show, so you're really That's... in for a long haul. But it, it hearing Leon sound drunk is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, not only that, but I would imagine on something like Kanan Rinse, the... Uh, Somebody in deep thought about a particular concept or idea would fit well with uh, the state of inebriation and self-reflection. <laughs> that, that could be good. Um, and so maybe there's something akin to that, whether there are like sections of the audio in the game that get slowed down or or sped up and you're having to control the speed of it. It's almost like you're asking someone to edit a podcast but i think it would mechanically be more interesting if it felt more like you know editing tape and less like dragging around tracks and editing software you know what would be really neat is if the software could detect like syllables i know that oftentimes when you're speaking your words will kind of blend into each other and we can parse them out because you know we are used to hearing this language but when you look at them in an audio editing software, and I'm even, even watching the waveform that I'm recording into right now, sometimes they're just like long blobs of sound rather than distinct syllabic noises. Yeah. But it would be neat if it could kind of separate them out by syllables and everything and auto match them with like music. And so you can just listen to any podcast but like over a rap beat and it automatically parses things out to make it a cool rap. Oh, that'd be cool. Even if you were just doing basic like ducking detection of like peaks and valleys, you might be able mm-hmm. to get something rhythmic there. Um, I, I wonder, so I think one, one thing that I would crave in a podcast sort of game is the ability to somehow contribute some piece of audio myself so why don't we say that our Mr. Alexa head uh, here, he refuses to read the advertising. He doesn't think it's uh, you know, <laughs> journalistically appropriate for him to be reading these ads. And so mm-hmm. instead, like midway through the show or an episode, he'll cut to an ad break and like a true studio professional, 
you, the uh, gamer, will have a ad script put in front of you and you have to read it kind of live on the air and and all of your, you know, ums and ums and mistakes and all of that stuff just gets captured and maybe there's some place where you can go and see like the best of those things from the community. Yeah, you know, that's funny that you recommend that because none of the modern consoles have microphones on them anymore like they all used to. Dreamcast, you could slap a microphone on that thing, the N64 had its Hey you Pikachu, the DS and 3DS all had mics built in, but the uh, the Switch, I think it completely yeah yeah no, no microphone. microphone on that and and with anything PlayStation and uh, Xbox you have to what you have to plug in a headset right or the camera connect yeah 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 so uh, not a popular feature <laughs> so I've proposed something that not no one more. will use uh, but certainly I I do like the idea of I guess my favorite part about doing a podcast is the fact that it's a conversation and it's equal parts listening and contributing. Um, and mm-hmm. hopefully if you're doing it right, you're doing as much uh, at both <laughs> as you are uh, with anything else uh, or even more listening than you're doing contributing. And I think it would be interesting to somehow figure out a way to gamify the listening and contributing aspect to it, even if it is as, you know, just in the editor's role in some way. Like maybe he's like, all right, uh, let's listen to a track by some artist. And you have to, you know, quickly um, locate a file and like drag that in. And you do almost like <laughs> a, a desk, you know, a kind of 90s desktop simulator uh, like some games do these days. You know, that's actually one of our very first pitches. That was Playwright 8, in which I believe that was the... Uh... Yeah, that was the one where we featured Sean Bell from the aforementioned computer game show. <laughs> um, that is the second pitch, KRDO-FM, where you play a radio DJ in a mysterious and maybe haunted town. Uh, and you do a lot of that kind of manual dragging on of uh, music and uh, you get to make some of the gameplay choices that way. Uh, it, it's an interesting pitch. Go back and listen to that one. That's Playwright 8 if you want a little bit more of that in your life. But for now, we have to close the book on this one. Our great uh, deluxe community pitch from Andrew and Spencer, longtime uh, contributors to the show. We appreciate both of you very much. Uh, Let's come up with a name because obviously uh, neither of them did. So (laughs) let's, let's come up with something. Must love casts. No, that's bad. Or casts and pods. Yeah. Casts and pods is pretty good. Rain, you could do raining casts and pods. Raining casts and pods. That's okay. I like that. <laughs> That's a very bad pun. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, the show is over. We, we don't do this anymore. We have <laughs> circled all the way back. Yeah, you know, we were just talking about before the recording that it's really cool that we got to 50, but in just a couple of weeks, that's going to be our one year. And so we don't really know what to celebrate. Yeah, podcasting is strange, right? Because there's no like, I mean, you can do seasons and stuff now, but if you're doing a show like ours, it's not really conducive to it. So yeah, what do you celebrate? Yeah, you'll notice uh, some kind of a change uh, we'll, we'll tease now, uh, starting with Playwright 53. But yeah, I guess we'll we'll see you back in a couple of weeks for our one year special. But this has been 50 shows. I think that's quite 
an accomplishment. You, you never know how, how long these things are going to last when you start them up, and you never know how much they're going to catch on. <laughs> so I'm glad that we've had the opportunity to collectively share, I guess it would be 149 pitches. Because yeah, on the first we, one, we, we only, only had two. two. Although, hold on, wait. We rectified that technically with this podcast and combining two pitches. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> I guess just for convenience sake, and maybe there have been other shows in which we've done, done two or four. I don't remember off mm-hmm. the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's just say 150. We'll retcon it. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot of video games. That's like half an hour on Steam. <laughs> it's just going to make that joke. <laughs> oh, shame on you for getting there before me. Oh, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a half an hour on Steam, and uh, that's great. You know, I look at we're about to celebrate a year. Well, I'll get more sentimental with you then. But uh, I'm so oh. happy to be at uh, at 50 and uh, to another 50. Let's be here for 100, right? That's right. We'll, uh, that's right. We'll, uh, we'll catch those of you who only come in for the big special episodes <laughs> again in another 50. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> and for everyone else, why don't you tell them a bit about our theme song? Sure. So go and listen to our theme song. It's called Hello World. It's by Protodome and it's off that album, blue noise and and while you're at protodome's Bandcamp, go check out the other albums they're really good too as we said before if you would like to just like spencer and andrew did today contribute something for our show um that is a pitch it could be anything it could be a drawing as spencer has contributed it could be a a pitch with so much detail that you get self-conscious about how much detail you put into it like andrew (laughs) <laughs> you can contribute those to a number of sources. You can go to playwrightcast.com slash pitch. You can go to at playwrightcast on Twitter, or you can email us playwrightcast at gmail.com. That is spelled P-L-A-Y-W-R-I-T-E-C-A-S-T. And Q, do you have a miniature pitch to take us out and to take us into our our, our next 50? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I do, and I think I'll preface it by saying sometimes my favorite pitches are the ones where I don't explain anything else other than a title. Okay. Red Dead Adoption. <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to the Undead Nightmare expansion as well. Oh, you should be. You should be. Okay, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.